Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD innovation. This is Dr. Greg Goodman on The Modern MD. This is episode number 40. Super excited. We've got Dr. Yi Ding Yu, who's a practicing physician, researcher, innovator, and entrepreneur. Yi Ding is passionate about improving healthcare delivery to provide timely, high-quality, cost-effective care to her patients. She's the chief innovation engineer at Atrius Health, the largest nonprofit independent multi-specialty practice group in the Northeast. Dr. Yu is also the founder and chief medical officer of Tuiage, a mobile platform that empowers first responders and hospitals to deliver more timely, cost-effective care at the most critical moments. Yi Ding, it's an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. Welcome to The Modern MD. So Yi Ding, tell me a little bit more about you personally and your entrepreneurial journey. You know, I would say that most of what I've done in my life seems to be a lot of serendipity and being in the right place at the right time and having a curious mind. I would say that when I was growing up, I, you know, my parents always told me, you know, doctors are great. And so I somehow was cajoled into thinking that I want to be a doctor ever since I was a little kid um, without really understanding probably why. So by the time I got into college, I had started two small web companies during the dot-com boom in high school. And it was a way for me to do online retailing and to make a little bit of allowance money. And I thought it was so fun. I had never had any other business experience, never took an econ class. And it was at the time when I was in college, I decided to pursue economics. I absolutely loved it. And for a while, I even thought that I might not even go into medicine. But at the end of the day, I realized I really wanted to use my talents and what I could do for the betterment of other people and healthcare really spoke to me. You know, I, from then on, I, I've wanted to think about how do I balance my interest in building systems that promote the greater good with practice of medical care. And so, you know, I kind of went and traveled the world and wanted to really see what was out there. I spent a year after college working on the Thai-Burma border on health and human rights and building health information systems in uh, Eastern Burma that could help public um, health officials and local communities help with maternal mortality and reduce infection rates and malaria, and also develop uh, trauma programs for the most heavily landmined area in the world. And then I came back to med school um, at Duke where, you know, kind of uh, did um, the work of a medical student focused in on the clinical care. But even then, you know, I found opportunities outside. I just met up with faculty members who were interested in building new novel uh, methods of care. There was a new uh, Institute for Healthcare Improvement chapter that was opening that I helped lead. And through those experiences, I realized that I, I really wanted to think about how we can make healthcare better because it frustrated me so much that there was such awesome science out there. Yes. We had a difficulty and challenge to deliver that medical breakthrough to regular people around the world. And I think that's really what gets me up every morning is the idea that we have the technology to save lives. We know exactly how to treat diabetes and how to treat hypertension, and people still die from those very common diseases every day. And we have to do better, and that is on us, delivering the systems and designing the systems that will help save these people's lives. 
five. That's really kind of what gets me in and, and gets me in every day. Through this journey, when I was in training, I found another pain point that just really bothered me. And I, I realized that most of my patients were coming into the hospital that I was admitting from ambulances. And I never got their pass on. I mean, it, maybe if I was there in the ED right when the patient rolled in, but I'm in the hospital ward admitting patients, so I never get that. And there were even times when a patient was being admitted for a cardiac problem and with a reportedly abnormal EKG. And that EKG script from the ambulance would have gone lost somewhere in route. And so the cardiologist, my team, nobody ever saw that. And that was just incredibly frustrating. And that was even for a patient that didn't have a critical emergency. You can imagine that for a patient that did have a critical emergency, how challenging that communication must be. And currently across the country, communication between ambulances and hospitals is done via radio. So there's no ability to identify a patient ahead of time and to pull up their past medical record. There's no ability to review an EPG or look at the video of a stroke assessment ahead of time, which means that we lose a lot of precious moments for patients who are coming in, heart attack, strokes, um, critical trauma, from waiting until they are found to the ED. So I found a triage to call that. Yijing, what an incredible journey. I mean, I'm so impressed. In, in high school, you're already building companies and websites and you know, really taking your passion. It seems like you've really you know, just stayed curious and you know, throughout the journey really uh, looked at some of the incredible opportunities. Excited to discuss more during the show. So we love to launch the show off with a success quote. Do you have a quote that's important to you or you know, something that you live by? Yeah, there's a quote by Woodrow Wilson that I really liked. And for some reason, there's this, between this World War I area, there's a lot of great quotes, maybe because they were dealing with the First Great War. But he once said, you are not here merely to make a living. You are here to order in order to enable the world to live more amply, with greater vision, with a finer spirit of hope and achievement. You are here you enrich the world, and you impoverish yourself to forget the world. It's just something that I think means so much. And really, when I think about what I'm doing and how I pick my career and what I realize, am I doing the right thing? I think about, you know, am I giving back to what I find most fulfilling and do I help somebody else? I realize that whenever I'm not doing that, I feel burnt out. And keeping myself aligned to the true north gives me endless energy to do the right thing and keep going. I love that. Absolutely beautiful quote. And I think it's incredible that it sounds like you really live by that, that mission and quote. So I'm really excited to go into the white coat to business suit. I know, you know, you have a number of roles. You still practice medicine, founder of Twiage. You work at Atrius in an innovative capacity. Can you kind of discuss your white coat to business suit transition and, you know, some of your current work? Absolutely. For me, because I had started my first companies in high school, I think there was always, you know, a business suit to white coat to business suit transition. Probably those of us who have the entrepreneurial itch always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial itch. And so it's not a linear process. And I think many people who have gone on this journey will tell you it's not a linear process. The roles that I have right now is that I am the chief innovation engineer at Atrius Health at their innovation center. And 80 of my, 80% of my time focusing on healthcare innovation. My current work involves using uh, telehealth technologies to improve patient access to care and improve the provider satisfaction with their work. And I'm also really focused on the patient experience and patient activation. And so those are core, uh, core strategies for Atrius Health, and I'm excited to work on those. About 20% of my clinical time 
for my time at Atrius Health is on the clinical work. And so I practice two half days a week. I'm in clinic seeing patients in uh, internal medicine, which I still find really fulfilling. And it allows me to stay in touch with the people I'm trying to help when I'm thinking about designing health. And then in my other job, I guess, uh, filling in the rest of the time is my work with Triage. I'm um, the founder and the chief medical officer with Triage. And so at this point, I do a little bit of all things with Triage. I still help with system development and strategy. I am very, very involved with the product, having designed everything from the logo to um, the user interface. And I still continue to do the product design. And now I'm building a team for operations and IT to really help the system scale forward. So. It's a nice balance of responsibilities, and I have—I can say that I have a lot of diversity in my everyday life. That's incredible. I'd love for you to just touch. I, I know you're recently graduated from residency. Do you have any advice for you know medical students or residents that are interested in the entrepreneurial space or joining kind of innovative groups after graduating? What would be your advice to getting involved in that possible during or after you know residency? I think there's a few things that someone who's interested in the entrepreneurial world or business leadership should think about. So one would be, what are you really passionate about and what type of problems are you looking for? Because you know, if you came in to say, I want to run a company, that doesn't really answer anybody's question. And you probably won't get as far as if you said, I have a problem that I am passionate. Because if you have a problem you're going to fix, you will do everything in your power to get it done. And then you'll be successful. And before you know it, you might run a company. But who knows, you know? So in the beginning, I would say for people who are still exploring, definitely uh, spend time to really understand what just annoys you and what would you spend extra time to fix. Um, you know, you'll stay that extra hour just to get it right because that's just, it matters that much to you. Once you identify that, the rest is pretty easy because I think once you understand where your passions lie, navigating the rest of your career is about having the right conversations and finding people who will hear your story and will be willing to open the doors to make that happen. So many people say, you know, I'm really interested in working with a, a startup. I'm interested in maybe doing a startup later on. How can get, I get early exposure? And the fact of the matter is there are startups everywhere, especially if you're in a big city. Um, I'm in Boston. There's tons of startups in Boston. But even if you're not in one of those like large uh, metro areas and you want to get involved, just send an email to a cool startup. I would focus on probably a smaller startup who could really use your help and offer to just volunteer your time. And you will learn a whole bunch about how that startup is operating, how those founders work, because you'll have an opportunity to work with those founders one-on-one. And you might learn things that you can say, wow, that's a skill that I love to have. That, that looks like an amazing team. And you might also come up and meet some teams that are a little bit more dysfunctional and realize, wow, that's something that I really learned not to do. And that, that will be great learning for you as well. And once you're in that community, you you will naturally start networking with other you know, venture capitalists, with other founders, with other innovators. And I think the ball just kind of rolls from there. When I was thinking about how I wanted to craft my career after residency, I really had to think about a few things. One was how much clinical practice I wanted to focus on versus doing innovation and administrative roles and designing health systems. And that was a conversation I had with my mentors. Once I was able to understand how I wanted that balance, I went around and, and just had conversations with leaders across the organization and organizations that I was familiar with. And it was actually really interesting to hear how many people now in medicine are very open to the idea of very young leaders. You know, the traditional model of physician leadership has been 
put in your time as a full-time clinician, and you eventually get some and more and more administrative roles. But I think people are now realizing that there's some people who just have a natural knack for uh, being a leader and being a manager, and those people should be cultivated early. You've gone through tons of training. You should you should lever your talent, and that will come through. I think that you'll you'll might find some areas but they're a little bit more structured, they're less flexible. There are definitely organizations who, once they see talent, realize that that is the most important ingredient to their organization and will make them making part. And I think I was lucky to, to find an organization that really believes in that. What incredible advice for those listening! You know, healthcare is at such an exciting time. You know, find that passion and you know find that problem that you're super excited about. I think you also brought up a great point, which is network, find mentors that you know want to be your cheerleader and, and help you along the way. And I think if you do those things over time with consistency, you can really uh, end up a really exciting career. So I want to shift into our idea to venture. Can you tell me a little bit more about Twiage and the big vision and you know what problem you're trying to solve? With Twiage, it started with one big pain point, which was that I never got passed off from the EMS when I was taking care of the patient later on. And I felt that I was missing critical information. And when I was at a hackathon, I met an EMT who told me there were times that she was waiting you into the hospital and told them about a critically sick patient. And when she arrived, it was as if nobody realized that she was going to come and nothing had been prepared for that patient care. And so this was obviously a gap that was affecting both first responders and physicians and obviously the patients who were experiencing these emergencies. And when I dug more down deep into that problem, I realized that failures in communication was the number one cause of sentinel events and delays in treatment in the emergency department. It turns out this is a big problem, and it was just the last frontier of where technology needs to go. And I think it's the last frontier in many ways because ambulances and hospitals are often silos. You know, they are different organizations, and EMS oftentimes are small organizations. They can be from fire departments, municipal EMS, it can be a private ambulance. And it's in those areas where communication can be really disjointed and siloed. Taking that idea, I realized that, you know, if the standard of communication is a radio call uh, that can't send any more sophisticated data, then we can build a platform that allows the sharing of digital data, vital signs, photos, pictures, videos, digital recordings of audio reports in real time to the hospital. And if I could do that, wouldn't the patient get better care? Couldn't we notify cardiologists faster about an incoming heart attack? Couldn't we give a better diagnosis from the field for patients having an acute stroke? And so we started building a, a very early prototype. This is definitely a minimal viable product. And just started going around. And we were lucky. We won the um, Massachusetts Medical Society IT Award just like two months after we built our MVPs. And then really started talking to local hospitals. And sometimes it was just the idea just like it makes sense people that there has to be a better way to get information. So we were lucky to partner with South Shore Hospital, and they've been a, a fantastic partner since then. We're now live uh, in four towns um, covering 911 medical emergencies for over 300,000 people in those in that geographic area. And um, every week at South Shore Hospital, triage touches about 100 patients, which is just really incredible for me to see just taking that the idea that we had a hunch that this would be a problem to be solved to building a technology that touches a hundred different patients every day. It's incredible. And I think it's so exciting. You know, like you're saying, when they're coming in, that communication and getting the teams at the hospitals really prepared for what's coming in is so critical. Can you talk? I know, you know, this is always part of the journey, you know, both success and failure. 
What have been some of the challenges, you know, building the platform and getting larger organizations to adopt or kind of scaling the product? What have been some of the challenges in the early phases of, you know, building Twiage? Oh, there's definitely been plenty of challenges. Uh, you know, if it were easy, somebody would have done it, you know, a long time ago. And so there must be a reason why radios have still been around for 100 years. And we have to be realistic about it. So one of the big challenges is just it felt like herding cats to get all the EMS stakeholders and the hospitals in one place and to say, hey, this is worth focusing on. You know, in this day and age, um, last year, ICD-10, when live, so hospital IT systems were all focused on that. It was hard to get the bandwidth to focus on another technology. And uh, you know, every 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 year, there's always some other distraction. And so, um, making uh, triage relevant was something that we really learned that we had to do. And so, we focused in more on developing the business model and developing the right referral network, um, and also identifying the hospitals that were real first early adopters and innovators in their group. Because you can deliver the best product in the world, and there still might be a hospital that's just not right ready to, to get on and doesn't have the leadership to do it. And yet there are other hospitals who are just incredibly innovative or who have dynamic leaders who are willing to try new technology. And we realized that we had to really focus our effort on there because, you know, the truth of the matter is healthcare startups often die on the vine. And that's because sales cycles for selling to hospitals can be very long, even when you have traction. You can, there's only so much funding that, that you can get. It's a real balance, and we had to navigate that, and it certainly was discouraging in the early phases. I would also say that, you know, I saw firsthand how important a team, the right team is, and in the beginning, we had some challenges in making sure that the original team was working well, and ultimately, at some point, had to split tasks. And so, I think Triage is incredibly strong. Uh, we built an amazing team at this moment, and we're growing. Um, the team has really expanded in the last three months, and that's exciting, but I definitely learned a lot about understanding how to find the right partners for an early company because it's grueling work. It can be really lonely at times when there's setbacks because you start with taking on tremendous risk when you do this type of uh, startup, not guaranteed a reward. And when push comes to shove, you want to be working with people who you enjoy spending time with and who you know you can trust when to go and get tough. And that's, that's really important for any person thinking about building a company or starting a business. Such great insights. What has been the biggest lesson learned in terms of maybe your product or a success out in the field that you'd like to share? I would say my biggest lesson learned and something that we live by is that simplicity is king. We have to be incredibly careful not to over prescribe in our technology. I come across many groups who say, well, what about this? Can we add this feature? Can we add that feature? And our experience on the ground, having seen EMTs play with this in their hands, having seen them, you know, give direct feedback, we realized that simplicity was the most important thing for end user satisfaction. In the healthcare system, every nurse that we talk to, the first thing when we even just bring up the idea of getting a digital communication, was, is this another thing I have to do? And that's because they're so busy. I mean, so much of technology or our EMR integrations have all been one more thing that you have to do. And there's so much fatigue on that type of technology and that type of innovation. Everybody who's looking into in the digital health world should realize that your solution should be simple. It should work for your client and user, not make your end user work for you. And I think that we've really nailed that with triage. Uh, user feedback has been phenomenal because of that. I mean, you know, there's always the doubts going in. People say, oh, maybe this is one more thing to do. 
And now they come back and say, this is eliminating my work and um, saves me tons of time. And that has helped us just get viral funds and viral uptake across the hospital because I didn't have to go to the uh, ED or to go to the nursing stations to convince them to use it. Other nurses were doing the job for me because they were saying, this saves me time. When one person sees somebody else, you know, having more time on their hands, I think, you know, they still pick up the same thing. So that, that was um, something that we really learned as a key to our success, and we're going to keep on holding on to that. That's awesome. Simple as king, I guess, when you make the nurses happier doing well. So <laughs> That's always shifting. true. That's always true. <laughs> Learn as a uh, intern and resident to survive. Shifting into our, not our typical hospital rounds, but these are business rounds. What is the best advice that you've ever been given? The best advice I've been given was from a fantastic person, Clay Ackerley. And he's incredibly brilliant. And he was a fourth-year medical student when I was a first-year medical student. I thought he was just, like, amazing. He had done so much in his career. And he told me something which said, eating never leaves any doors closed. You always need to keep your eyes peeled for the opportunity because luck favors the prepared. Never hesitate to take the risk to do something. Um, if it strikes you're fancy. If it makes you curious, there's probably something there. And don't just always take the well-worn path and the predictable road because you never know when this little nugget um, will lead. So keep your doors open. And I've really, really applied that logic and uh, that philosophy to my career. And I would say that I wouldn't be here at all talking about triage, talking about my role at the Innovation Center at Atria's Health if I didn't follow that advice. Wow, what a smart fourth-year med student. <laughs> That's excellent advice. Really, really incredible. I think it's always important to, you know, keep the doors open and, and look for the opportunities. You never know when they're coming. So one of my favorite questions is the daily success habit. Yiding, do you have a daily success habit or something that a morning routine that you'd like to share that you think attributes to some of your success? Well, I, I don't know. This, this is a little bit boring, but I would say I get hundreds of emails a day. And most of those people would believe that their email is very important and I need to respond to them in some way, or at least I need to know what's going on. My daily success habit is being very keen on organizing my inbox. And I have a few rules that I, I live by. One is that I do not check my emails monthly. I think I set up a, a clear time throughout my day where I'm going to check my emails and other times I will glance at it, but I will not respond. Because if I, every, I responded every time I got a new email, I would never get anything done. So you have to be really rigorous on what you're going to respond to and what you're not going to respond to. And the rest, the rest of it is actually, as I'm going and curating on the email, it's actually making hard decisions about what I will not do and what I will do. So, for instance, I have to make a decision about, you know, this is an opportunity. Will I reply to it? Will I just decline? And I will pass it on to somebody else. And you have to get into the habit of making a snap judgment of saying, you know, that's something I'm going to reply to. That's something I'm going to pass on to something else. But this is something I'm going to decline. And because you can't do anything well if you do everything. So I try to do that every day. And that keeps me sane. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think in today's culture, the email, it's on your phone. I think that's really good advice. You know, kind of put a chunk of time together. We appreciate you responding to the Modern MD and uh, taking us up and sharing your wisdom. Shifting to our last section, which is healthcare trends. What are you most excited about in healthcare and where do you see the future of healthcare going? I am super excited about improving uh, the patient experience in healthcare. I, it frustrates me being a doctor and working for a health system and realizing that the customer service that we're providing for our patients is pretty average. 
and uh, nothing compared to what one would expect from Amazon.com or Apple. You know, we, we know that Amazon will uh, replace your order, will make sure it's sent, that they'll always be there. If you call them in customer service, there'll be something, somebody responding right away, and they'll make sure that your complaints are fully addressed. I think everybody expects that if you call a health system or a, your insurance company, you'll get the runaround, you'll go through phone tree, and then somebody will be there that will not be very helpful to you. And that, I think, is a really surprise. And there is more and more work to improve patient satisfaction, and I think that's because, rightly so, there are leaders in the country who are including patient satisfaction as larger and larger components of performance and quality measures, which I believe is a step in the right direction. You know, I think that those startups and those organizations that will focus on patient experience and patient satisfaction will be the long-run winners in, in the market. And that's certainly something that I'm trying to do at Atrius Health and what I look for when I talk to other startups. I think it's so important making the experience beautiful and, you know, really having the patient at that kind of center and, you know, uh, making it a really wonderful, exciting experience for them in healthcare. So Dr. Yi Ding Yu, an absolute honor and privilege having you on The Modern MD. Really excited about your work at Triage and Atriot's Health. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I'm psyched to be here and I'm also psyched to be your first female MD focused and I hope there'll be more of them. Definitely. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.